Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Simplify Jesus, where we are breaking barriers through communication. I'm Bill. This is Matt sitting on the other microphone, and we're excited to visit with you again today about the life of Abraham and Isaac and their families. Last week, we took a look at Genesis 21 through 23, where we saw that Isaac was finally born to Abraham and Sarah at the age of 190, respectively. Uh, And unfortunately, when Isaac was most likely a preteen or a teenager, God called Abraham to, believe it or not, sacrifice Isaac, his his son that he waited so long for. God said, hey, you're going to kill this kid. Not cool. But Abraham's response was to go. And he went. And he was going to perform this act. But before he could do too much damage, an angel stopped him and said, Do not kill your son. Your faith has been proven. So God's promise was reaffirmed yet again. And this week, we're going to continue talking a little bit about Abraham, but we're going to go into Isaac and his story. I'm looking forward to hearing about this, Matt. I'm going to be honest. I don't know much about this story. I've read it, but it's been so long. And uh, honestly, I couldn't tell you much about it. So I'm just as excited as I hope our listeners are to learn a bit about it. Yeah. So uh, as Isaac gets a little bit older, um, it it comes time that uh, I think, I don't want to say every man, but most men come to when it's time for him to go find a wife uh, and to get married. And especially for being the only child of this family of of Abraham and Sarah, this would have been really important. You know, again, God's promise was to make Abraham into a great nation. And so pretty hard to do if Isaac doesn't get married and have kids. So when this time came, Abraham called in his servant. This was the lead servant of his household and basically managed and ran the house at this point. He tasked him with helping Isaac find a suitable wife. So there were a couple of requirements. One of the biggest ones is kind of interesting is that he uh, made him swear to not allow Isaac to marry one of the Canaanite women that they lived around. So if you remember from a few episodes back, when Abraham was named Abram, God called him and said, leave your homeland, leave the, leave the town of Nahor and go to a land I'm going to show you. And he landed in the land of Canaan. And so he's lived here away from all of his family, away from all of that for all this time. But even so, even after 25 years, probably 30, 35 years at this point of living here, Abraham says, no, uh, do not let him marry one of the women here. Go back to our hometown and find one. Uh, so he tells the servant, this is the main requirement. You've got to go back to go back to my homeland to find a wife for him. The other requirement is that Isaac could not go back to that land, but he needed to stay in the land of Canaan because my assumption is that's because he didn't want Isaac to go back and to get settled in. Um, you know, this was the homeland. This is where God had led him to. This was the promised land. So he had these, these two basic requirements. He said, go get a wife for Isaac from our original homeland, from our people, but you have to bring her back here to the land of Canaan. And if somehow this didn't work out, he would be freed from the oath. But this was really, really important to Abraham that it happened this way. And so it's just, it, it's kind of interesting. You know, there's a couple of kind of strange things about it. One is that 
he goes back and picks a wife for Isaac from his family, which we, we kind of talked about this in Sunday school yesterday, actually kind of the, the weird marriage dynamics that like you, <laughs> you know, marrying your cousin kind of thing going on here. Or That's a little bit of what's going on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so now wait a minute. So he went, so the servant went back to, <laughs> yeah, I know that's rough, huh? Uh, so the <laughs> servant went back to Canaan to find one of Isaac's relatives to bring back to marry him. Yeah, so these would have been like Abraham's nephew's kids, whatever that's called. Um, So if you think about how old Abraham and Sarah were when they had Isaac, that kind of makes more sense because Isaac would have been, you know, what should have been Isaac's generation is where Rebecca, the the woman we're about to meet, is where her father is. Right, so so yeah, so Abraham is so much older that they're separated by a lot of gener- several generations. Yeah. That makes sense. That doesn't, that's, yeah. that's not so bad. And it's not as bad. <laughs> it sounds better than, you know, go back home and find you a wife among your cousins. That's, yeah. that's kind of strange. Well, <laughs> but you got to think too. I, I mean, I guess that the world wasn't near as populated, obviously, as it is now. So it was a little bit slim pickings, I think. Well, and especially if you have specific requirements around, well, you can't marry these women and you can't mm-hmm. marry these people and you know, that sort of thing. And and who knows, you know, there's a lot of cultural stuff we don't know. You know, what what was religion? You know, there was no law, there was no, you know, churches or anything like that at this point. So there, what? there wasn't any bars to go meet women, at, you know. Uh, you know, how, how did you meet women? There wasn't the <laughs> Tinder app, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so th- this is how you did it. Uh, it was, you know, a lot more matchmaking uh, that happened back then. Families that knew each other and that sort of thing. Um, but these were the requirements. This is how it had to happen. And so um, so the servant takes the task and he says, all right, I'm going to go. So he goes back to the town of Nahor in Haran, where Abraham started his journey when he was Abram all those years ago to find a wife for Isaac. And so when he gets there, he goes to the water well, which I'm going to guess for, you know, city life purposes, the water well would have been uh, kind of a central point. That would have been, you know, everybody has to come to the water well. That was the bar where you go to meet women. (laughs) Right, exactly. This is where everybody congregates, right? Um, This is the part where everybody comes. So he goes and he sets up shop there with his camels. He sets them down. And he gets down and he prays. And Genesis twenty four fourteen says that he prayed, uh, let the girl to whom I say, please lower your water jug so that I may drink. And who responds, drink and I'll water your camels also. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And so he gets really specific about this. Now, granted, you know, if I put myself in, in that situation, I saw somebody there with, that was obviously an out-of-towner and you know he and his camels they're sitting there by the water well not knowing what to do i'd like to think i'd help him out but i don't know it's it's kind of it's a very specific request and specifically a woman that would that would help him in this way and so um the cool thing is though before he even finished talking to god before he even finished his prayer a woman named rebecca was approaching the well and so the servant uh, went up to her, asked her for a drink. Her response was exactly what he asked for. So she gave him a drink and drew water for his camels as well. So that is how the servant meets Rebecca. And uh, come to find out Rebecca is 
from the right family and uh, and kind of checks all the boxes that Abraham was looking for. And so he is well on his way to a successful journey. So, so I want to point out that if only we could all pray with that much faith mm. and be that specific. God tells us to be specific in our prayers. You know, if you want something, be specific. Oh, I forget what the verse is, but um, that's one of the, the big things that he talks about. And to have faith like it, like you know it's going to be done or that it's already been done. And I think that's where the servant is. He's like, I know you're going to do this. I'm asking, asking you shall receive, right? So I'm asking, mm-hmm. and I know that we're doing things your way. I, I, I mean, I would hope that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, as faithful as Abraham is, right, He's he wants to do things the way God wants it. Um so there was no reason that God wouldn't ask, uh, answer that prayer uh, precisely. Uh, you know, I've had those instances where when something is, is, is bothering me or I need something to happen, you know, I, I will pray God either make it known that this is what I'm supposed to be doing or put those blockers in front of me so that I know that you don't want me to do this. So that's, that's just, I wanted to point out, that's just really cool that he had that much faith to say, she needs to say exactly this and I'll, I'll, I'll know that you sent her. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a couple of, a uh, couple of things on that. One is, you know, Jesus says, if you have the faith, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed, uh, you can move mountains. Right. Which in so, case y'all don't know, my, it's the tiniest seed out there. It's the, it's the smallest seed ever. Right. And so um, even a little itty bitty bit of faith and, and you can move mountains. I think one of the things that sometimes we, as, as Christians and as a society get mixed up is exactly what you said, which is when we're praying in God's will, when we are praying for what we know God wants us to do, he's going to answer that in the affirmative, right? God's not stupid. If we're praying for what we know he wants us to do, then he's going to come through for that. Um, you know, but where, where I think we get mixed up is when we pray for things because we're not sure we don't know what's going to happen. So we say, well, God, I'd really like it if it went this way. Mm-hmm. Well, that may not be what he's, what his will is. He may have something else going on in that situation that we don't know about that we can't see. That doesn't mean that you don't, it doesn't mean a, that you don't have enough faith, right? That's not what that's about. Um, it means God's will in that situation was different than, than what you desired. But the other thing is it doesn't mean that God doesn't care. It just means that, again, his will was different in that situation. He's got something else planned for that. And so that's where that Romans 8.28 promise, everything's going to work together for the good. We've got to hold on to that. But when we when we come to God in prayer, we should come in faith. We should come assuming that what we pray for is going to happen. If, if, we, if we are confident this is God's will for the situation, we should pray assuming it's going to happen. And if it doesn't, that it's because something better is coming that God's got a different plan for it, but we should always come in faith. I agree. And, and I think getting a little deeper into that, you know, I'm thinking of some folks that, that I know now that, that have cancer, right. And, and the outlook, we don't know, we don't know what it looks like for them. Um, and I know people, some people will say, well, God let my, my mom die of cancer just because he doesn't heal them. Doesn't mean that he's not there and that he's not watching over. My hope, my prayer is that they were saved and they're in heaven now rejoicing with God, right? And they're waiting for you to get there. They're, they're ultimately healed. I know that doesn't make you feel better in the, now, 
but that may be what God's plan was all along. And we just can't see the reasons behind it. That's right. And, and that's where, you know, whatever we're going through, whether it's a time of loss, it's a crazy, chaotic, just a storm season in your life, which we all go through. Um, I would encourage you to uh, try to find God in the midst of that. Um, whenever you're not sure which way is up, um, to try to find where God's working in the middle of it. And if you can't find it, you know, maybe talk to some people, have, have some conversations, you know, pray more, um, ask God to show himself. Uh, he will, he's going to be faithful to do that. But, but if you want to find peace and comfort, I would, I would recommend that's what you do is, is you go find God in the middle of that, um, and make that part of your prayer life is seek is truly seeking him out. And he'll show himself. You don't have to worry about that. He'll show himself exactly where where he wants to be and where he where his will is for us to be. To add to that, um, I want to say that perspective and your feelings and whatever you're going through at the time that is huge. That that plays such a huge role in whatever's happening. Uh, so, so yeah, like you said, Matt, uh, I completely agree. Talk to other people. Get a different perspective, uh, and. And see where, like you said, you can find God in it. Because if you're hurting uh, and and things just aren't going your way and you feel like you're beating your head up against a brick wall, try to see other sides of it so that you can find God there. Because he is there. And know that God cares enough to want to see you through that and help you through it. Um, you know, sometimes we have this image of God of, you know, the cranky old man twiddling his thumbs up in heaven and, you know, just jacking with people um, because he can. That's not God. Um, he loves and cares for us. We do go through times of testing to grow our faith, to, to help us to grow. Um, you know, no different than, you know, training for an athletic event or uh, practicing hard for music or whatever it may be. You've got to go through some tough stuff to get better at what you do. Um, and, and our faith is no different. Our life is no different. So we go through some of that, but God doesn't want us to suffer. That's, that's not his goal. God wants us to, to live life to the fullest for him, uh, which is the way to live life to the fullest is for him. Um, without well, we, got, we got off on a little tangent there. Sorry, y'all. We did. Uh, <laughs> we did. So, yeah, um, you know, I'm, Matt, you and I talked a little bit about, about this before we started recording that um, it was really interesting that Abraham told Isaac's uh, servant or told their servant to not get a wife from Canaan where they're at. And he said to go back to their homeland. You know, we, we had just talked about why maybe he did that considering, you know, that's where a lot of their family is. Um, but I just think it's interesting that, that what well, you pointed out that Moses later on is going to destroy Canaan. When he takes, uh, that's that's the promised land, right? He's going to destroy this whole group of people and take over that place. Well, that would have meant all of Isaac's family would have been killed. But Abraham said, no, go to where we're from and get a wife. But they won't have right, offspring so you, in Canaan. Theoretically. Right, and, and so you think about the, the conflict of interest that would cause later on when God tells them, hey, go destroy all these people. Oh, by the way, they're your relatives. Yeah. You know? <laughs> because like remember, that. Moses comes from Abraham as well. So, like, he's going to go tell Moses, yeah, go kill all these people, but they're – anyway, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it is. It really is crazy. Uh, 
And so even, even then you can see God leading them and guiding them saying, okay, he, he gave Abraham the good sense to say, go back to your homeland to find somebody we need to, you know, don't, don't intermingle with these people because at some point that's not going to be a good thing. We don't want to create this closed loop, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. five, 500, 600 years down the road, however long it is, right. because then he wouldn't be the father of a great nation if he has all these kids and then Moses comes and kills all of them and they got to start over. That wouldn't work out so well. No, no, it well, wouldn't at all. And, and you think about it, you know, if Isaac married a Canaanite woman, then Moses would have been a descendant of Isaac and the Canaanite woman. So like, so, so at what point does that split happen? At what point do you break it off? Right. And, and so the whole story changes if, if he marries into the Canaanite family. Yeah. That's, oh, wow. That is just so cool. How, you know, God is, God is omniscient. He, you know, he knows everything. He knows what was, what is to come. He's, he's got this plan for us, for all of us. Um, and that just goes to show how much he cares about our personal lives. Uh, you know, and it's not just about the spiritual stuff. It's about our life as a whole. Okay. So, so the servants at the bar, he, he asked the lady for a drink <laughs> and she said what he asked God for. Mm-hmm. Now what? So, of course, he gets really excited. And so he's got jewelry with him. He's got a gold ring, a couple of gold bracelets. Uh, he puts them on her and he asks her for a place to stay that evening. So uh, Rebecca, being the gracious host, uh, invites him to stay, says, there's plenty of room. Bring your camels. We're good. Don't worry about it. So they go to the house and her brother Laban comes out and, and you know, welcomes him in. Um, and says, Hey, let's have a meal together. You know, I have to believe that in that society, this was a whole lot more common. I can't imagine this happening now, you know, inviting a stranger in with 10 camels to, Hey, you know, our parking lot's not that big. Our driveway's not big enough for your 10 camels, <laughs> but, um, that's all right. So they get in, prepare a meal. They sit down for dinner and the servant says, hold on, hold the phone. I've got to tell you what's happening while I'm here. Um, and so he tells the whole story over again, how Abraham left, um, has been blessed richly by God, had a son in his old age, all the way up to and including everything that just happened with Rebecca. Um, and makes it very clear that God has chosen uh, Rebecca for Isaac. And Laban's response is absolutely perfect. It's, it's what you would hope for. Uh, Genesis twenty four fifty says that Laban and Bethuel answered, this is from the Lord. We have no choice in the matter. Rebecca is here in front of you. Take her and go. Let her be a wife for your master's son, just as the Lord has spoken. It's kind of cool to see this. Yeah, I mentioned before, we don't know what religion was going on. We don't know what different people believed. There was no established church or anything like that. But it's very clear that these guys believed that the God that Abraham followed was serious business. And so if he sent the servant back and everything worked out exactly the way it did, that this must be from God, this must be from Yahweh God. And, and this was the right thing to do. And so I, they, they said, okay, she's all yours. I love that there was no question. And it was so clear to them that they said, we have no choice in the matter. Like they, they were like Abraham, so faithful that they said that when God said jump, they said, how high? Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going to go back to, I wish we were so faithful even today. You and I are talking about Jesus weekly on this podcast. Um, but do we see things like they did? 
No, mm. no, we don't. We we miss things constantly. Busy lives, phones, you know, uh, everything else that the distractions of life that keep us from engaging with God the way they did, and and from trusting God the way they did. You know, the the idea that you know if God were to show up in a dream and say, "Hey, Matt." It's time for you to drop everything. I want you to sell everything, pack up your stuff. You're moving to Africa to go proclaim the gospel for the rest of your life. Would I do it? Like at that at that moment, I I I know that I still have a choice. I can say yes or no. These guys didn't even feel that way. They said God's already decided. It's a done deal. Where you know, so so even the concept that I should have a chance to respond to this somehow is like that was completely foreign to them so it was that level of faith that level of trust that if god said it it's going to happen mm-hmm. so yeah you're right that's it's just uh it's just crazy it's crazy to think about that kind of faith in today in today's culture today's society um yeah and that's what big stuff i mean just e- even little things it's it's just hard to imagine you know uh if if god calls you to something the idea of okay god called me to it i'm just going to do it mm-hmm. and we'll we'll see how it all works out love to say I have that kind of faith, but I can honestly say that that's not the case. We, we make mistakes all the time, right? We miss stuff all the time, like you said. Right. Yeah, absolutely we do. We, we I think, would be so much further in life, uh, spiritually, uh, just physically, with, with, you know, I don't want to get into health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, uh, but, um, you know, I think that plays a part in it. I think if we listen to God and did things exactly like he wants and said, yep, whatever you want, I'm there. I think we'd be in a much better place in all those areas. Now, not necessarily, because God can say, no, you're, I'm going to treat you like Job, and you're going to go through some hell. But there, I think um, it certainly wouldn't hurt to be able to hear God mm-hmm. that way and and do whatever he says when he says it, no matter how, how hard it is. Like taking your son up to a mountain and going to kill him because God said so. <laughs> um, right. But I also love that I can look back, and I know you have the same stories. You can look back on your life, even in the smallest little details of things, and look back and say, wow, this this meeting I had with somebody was really cool. And that had to have been God thing. Um, you know, the the house that, that we found, the the job that we've got, the you know, every everything that goes on in our lives, like I didn't do anything for that. That was all God. So I'm thankful that we can still do that that we can still look back and say, Oh yeah, God, I was stupid and pushing back on you when I should have just said, okay, let's go. Right. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've had that thought of like, Oh, this is why it, w- it was supposed to go that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, go back and listen to our testimonies and you'll hear a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like the, like the whole story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, but, but, but it's true. Right. And, and like you said, we're, we're not prosperity gospel people uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but the biggest difference between the gospel and the prosperity gospel is not that blessings come, but it's why do you come to Jesus? Do you come to Jesus for Jesus? Is he the blessing or do you come to Jesus because you believe that he's going to give you money and riches and jets and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff? And, and he could do that, but if he chooses to not, that doesn't mean he's any less Jesus. And that, and that's where it gets skewed is why are you coming to Jesus? Jesus is the blessing. And, you know, we have, we're all blessed with different talents, gifts, time, resources, all that kind of stuff. So that God can use it. That's right. So, um, 
And it's up to us to have faith, to use it the way God wants us to, whatever we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we had that perspective, we wouldn't be so worried about what we have. We'd be worried about how we're using it, regardless of what we have. Exactly. That is a really good way to look at it. And I, I just hope, I, you know, I pray all the time that I hope I'm being a good steward with everything that he's given me with my business, with this podcast, with, you know, with our families, with the, just everything. Yeah, absolutely. So we see the next morning, we see after, after they have this sign of faith, they have a conversation the next morning. And as you might expect, there's uh, a little bit of hesitancy. You know, Laban says, well, are you sure you don't want to hang out for like, you know, just a few days, like maybe 10 days. And, but Rebecca at this time shows the faith. She said, no, this is a done deal. This is what God has called uh, us to do and for me to do. So I'm going to go. So they head back to the land of Canaan and upon the return, Isaac, um, sees her off in a distance. She sees him. She puts a veil over her face, not unlike we see in weddings, right? The, the bridal veil. She, uh, she gets there. He removes the veil and they become husband and wife. Um, uh, so no grand wedding ceremony or anything like that. Um, uh, although a really cool story of how they met, but yeah, that, that's the story of Isaac and Rebecca and how they came to be the next generation. And, Obviously, we're doing this story because we're going through some cool and important stories in the Bible. Um, some that you might have missed, some that you might not know about. I, I didn't know a whole lot about this one. Like I said, I've read it a couple times, but it just hasn't sunk in like Noah or the creation or you know the other big famous stories, I guess, if you will. So I will put you on the spot. We're going to ask in a little bit, you know, how does this point to Jesus? But, but why does, why does the story of Rebecca and Isaac matter? You know, I think the, what we, what we see in this couple of things, one is that the, the faith that we, the faith that we talked about from Abraham that he passed on to his servant, that his servant obviously had is such a big deal in seeking out God's will and trusting him to provide that. Um, I think that that is just a huge, huge deal. And in, in this, in this case, the other thing is that this is really kind of a handoff point. Isaac doesn't get a whole lot of, a whole lot of time in the book of Genesis. And so, cause pretty much, and we'll, we'll get to his kids and we'll talk about his kids a good bit with Jacob and Esau, but, but this is really Isaac's big moment in the Bible. And I think the reason this is highlighted is, is because it's, it it lays the foundation. So we have Abraham's faith and that lays the foundation for um, the promised land and the Israelites coming to Canaan and all that stuff down the road. Um, this, this with uh, Isaac and Rebecca um, lays the foundation for Jacob when he goes back and he has his wives. It's also a really cool story of how God can work unexpectedly to bring people together yeah, I don't know that anybody would have expected this to happen the way it did. Um, definitely in today's society, it wouldn't go this way, right? Arranged marriages aren't a thing. And this isn't even arranged marriage. This was just a, hey, God, I'm going out on a whim here. Give me somebody to bring back to Isaac. Um, but God provided anyway. He mm-hmm. asked for a very specific sign. God provided. Um, and so just a really, really cool story of faith. And, and like I said, bridging that gap. Isaac doesn't give a whole lot of playtime, but this is his story. This is what it's all about. That was a really good explanation of, of why this one matters so much because I hadn't considered 
all of that. Like I said, I, I didn't know much about the story anyway. So kind of knowing the foundation of, of what we're going to get into next week with Jacob and Esau and, and kind of where that takes to a much bigger level in different aspects of history. Other pretty big things were going on in the world at this time too. There was a lot going on. What are a couple of the big things that were going on? So, so timeline wise, this is between 1900 and 1800 BC. And so we, we see looking at the map that you've got there, this is around the time Damascus was established. So Damascus was a very important city, kind of a, a trade hub, um, but it's also the capital of Syria. And so this is about the time that we can kind of trace the roots back to Syria being established. And, you know, Syria is still around today. Syria plays a, a pretty important role throughout the Bible times, throughout history. Um, so this is around the time it was established. I'm familiar with the road to Damascus. That's in the New Testament. Um, what was the point of that road and that story? The road to Damascus is really important. So in, in the New Testament, after Jesus' death and resurrection, there's a man named Saul who was a Jew among Jews, you know, which basically just, you know, he was, he was one of the guys that was, you know, follow the law to the letter. Right. Um, he was out persecuting the church, literally killing Christians because of their faith, because they were saying Jesus was the Messiah. Um, but as he was on the road to Damascus, uh, Jesus spoke to him. There was a light that came shining down out of the sky, out of the heavens. Um, and Jesus spoke to him and said, why are you persecuting me? And it was at that moment that Saul realized that Jesus was who he said he is, the son of God. And so he, that's when Saul became Paul and became a missionary that taught to uh, many, many people, specifically outside of Israel, outside of the Jewish people. And so a lot of our New Testament was written by that man, Paul, all because of what happened on the road to Damascus. God loves changing people's names when he's got a new purpose for them. It's crazy. Isn't it? <laughs> so I find that fascinating that during this time of Abraham, who is going to be the father of, of a great nation, right? Um, we're starting with his son, Isaac. And during the same time that all of this is going on with him, we've got the city of Damascus where Paul was heading. The person who, who wrote a lot of the New Testament. It is just, it's so crazy how it all ties together like that. Isn't it though? Like that's one of the things that even early on as we are in this look of the Bible of the little nuggets that are dropped everywhere of, mm -hmm. of things that were going on and how there are cues all along the way of, you know, what's to come. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it, it's just so cool to see how, how it all ties together. It is. It is very much. The other really cool thing that's going on around this time is uh, this is likely around the time that the Great Pyramid of Giza was built by Pharaoh Khufu. I believe that's how you pronounce that. But, yeah, we're all familiar with the Great Pyramids. This is about the time that was probably being built. Well, that would have been cool to see. Right. Although I wouldn't want to be the, the, the people that were working on that. Um, that No. <laughs> Can you – I'm, I'm just imagining. So I'm a – I'm a project manager in, in construction. I'm just trying to imagine how they did that. I think that's you what know, people are you... still trying to figure out all over the world. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Somebody uh, somebody was way ahead of their time is all I can say. Aliens, man. Aliens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but actually, so thinking about this, weren't the Israelites 
also working on the pyramids in Egypt? So I'm not sure. I, I don't know if they were working on the Great Pyramids or if there was some you know other pyramids they're working on. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I'm pretty positive that they were working on pyramids during that time, right? Because they were making bricks. That was right. the thing. They were making bricks to for that. I would assume. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I but but so that would have been gosh, um, as much as like 500 years later, probably. Okay. Um, because that would have been so flushing forward here. The Israelites were in Egypt for 400 years and for a lot of that time were enslaved, but that doesn't start until two more generations. So we're probably 450 to 500 years away from that. Interesting. From Interesting. When they leave Egypt anyway. Right. So. Right. Spoilers. <laughs> we're seeing some really cool things here that are already in, in, Obviously, in the beginning, right, God created the heavens and the earth, and, and he says, let us make man. So Jesus has already mentioned there. We talked about that in the first episode through this series. But it's, like you said, it's interesting to see all these nuggets drop that point to Jesus along the way. And even as we're, I mean, some of these, y'all, some of these we're kind of pointing out and realizing as we're talking through it with you. So um, we have notes, but this isn't scripted. So this isn't stuff that we've already figured out. Um, sometimes it's just, well, wait, did that happen? Oh, wait, what what about that? And does that tie in here? And this, and that's a lot of me. I'm asking a lot of these sometimes <laughs> stupid questions that I edit out later. But, uh, <laughs> um, but that's how we get to the really interesting stuff, right? Um, so now that we're seeing some stuff in the New Testament talking about Paul and, and Damascus and and all of that, how would you say this this particular story does point to Jesus? I think in this story, you know, last week we had a real clear example of you know, Abraham sacrificing his son, God giving us his only son. It was it was a real clear, you know, Jesus example there. It, a good parallel. Yeah, it was a great, yeah, really good parallel. And and this week it's it's a little more about who God is and who Jesus is. And so there are a couple of concepts that really that really stuck out. One of them is that God's not going to let you start down a path only to let failure win. And, and this is so, so, so important. I know for me, it is really easy for me to uh, get going down a path that I feel like is the right way that God's, you know, open doors, let me in. And as soon as I hit a wall of some sort, it's like, okay, well, I guess this is over. This must be done. And, and I want to encourage you to, uh, to not, not allow those kind of negative thoughts in, you know, when you think about Abraham and his life, had a kid in his old age and, and, and fought through it. Eventually God gave him that kid and have it through. And then when he called his servant to go get a wife for Isaac, the servant probably ran into some roadblocks along the way that aren't captured there. He had a long journey. We, we only know that Rebecca came, but were there other women that came that didn't, didn't, didn't give him water? Did he get discouraged? You know, we don't know the whole story of what else happened. And so, my encouragement is what we see in the story is that God's going to see you through. If he calls you to it, he's going to see you through it. And we see that very clearly in this story that God is continuing that uh, tradition through Isaac and Rebecca here. Uh, so don't let those, that, that, those negative thoughts get in and wear you down. So, yeah. And I, and I would say, you know, God cares about our personal lives too. Right. And, and it's not just about the spiritual stuff, but he wants to make sure we're taken care of. God told us uh, in, in Jeremiah, for I know, he says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, he says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you and not to harm you, 
plans to give you hope and a future. So he really wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be prosperous, you know, and that's, that's hard to do if we're not in his will. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, at least for me, something that um, I've struggled with is separating my kind of church life, my Christian life from work life or from family life or, or all those other things. And, you know, I'll, I'll take my church stuff to God and I'll pray over VBS or I'll pray over Sunday school, but I'll forget to pray over the workday and tough situations, or I'll forget to pray over, you know, tough decisions that Rachel and I are making, that kind of stuff. And, you know, what we see in the story is through, through God's provision of, of a wife for Isaac and how he worked with a servant and provided in such a crazy way there. You know, we see that he cares. We see that he cares about the personal life as well. He cares about the fact that Isaac needed a wife to continue the covenant to to allow Abraham to become a great nation. And so he allowed the servant to find Rebecca, who was the perfect wife for Isaac. And so know that God cares about your personal life as well. He cares about your relationships. He cares about your physical, emotional, mental well-being and all of that stuff. And God will intervene. But you do have to go to him. You've got to go to him. You've got to take it to him and say, okay, God, I don't know what to do here. Move how you will um, and, and see what he does. He, he does care enough to step in. He does. All right. So next week, we're still going to be talking about Isaac and Rebecca, but now we're going to be talking about their family and their their line that's not Canaanites. And uh, um, we're going to be talking about uh, their sons, Jacob and Esau, who are twins. And that's going to kind of start off a whole new story of, of uh, a whole whole new melodrama of stuff going on. <laughs> Yeah, but buckle your seatbelts. It's about to get a little crazy. That's right. Um, but it's fun. It is so cool. I love uh, this part. This is where where the story really starts to pick up some pace. Um, uh, it's we're in such we're in such a fun part of the uh, of, of God's history here. So right, um, it's so all cool. good stuff. Yeah, so cool. Um, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, and uh, y'all be sure to come back next week and hear about Isaac and Rebecca and their family. Yeah, absolutely. In the meantime, be sure to check us out on social media. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram. If it's social media, uh, we're probably there. Um, if you ever have any questions, comments, concerns, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to hear back from you, uh, hear about how we're doing, whether you like us or not. Let us know. Uh, let us know how we can be better. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, And with all that being said, I hope you have a great week and we will see you guys again next week. Y'all come back now, you hear?